every person that I've ever worked with who struggles to have, you know, the confidence in themselves or the trust or, or the mental toughness, you know, it's because of their past, you know, they have a track record of letting themselves off the hook or quitting or not doing what they're supposed to do. And we have to disrupt that pattern. We have to find out why that's pattern, why that pattern is happening. How do we disrupt it? Um, you know, and how do we create a new pattern and start living as the person that we want to be, which is a person who you know, does what they're supposed to do, regardless of how they feel. Today, I'm joined by Ryan Munze, the host of the Better Human podcast and author of Fuck Your Feelings. As a world-renowned speaker, yeah, we can sway her, <laughs> and consultant, <laughs> Ryan works with some of the world's highest achievers to unlock their potential. So I'm excited to dive deep into mastering your mind, achieving success, and becoming a better human being. So Ryan, welcome to the show. Max, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting with you, man. You know, I told you before, I'm, I'm so excited because for our listeners, uh, the Better Human podcast, just an absolutely amazing show. I've been following you for quite a while now and, and really, there's just some really amazing guests on the show. So there's a lot of, you know, direction I want to take this today, but where I want to start is Seal for Training, the last day uh, of, of training in 2012, that moment when, you know, your coach was, was drawing that line in the sand because I think it really exemplifies your work and, and what you stand for and what you really help people achieve in their lives. So can you take us back to a moment and explain, you know, the power of the mind? Yeah. So, you know, the moment that you're referring to, uh, as you said, it was, it was the very end of this crucible event. And, you know, the, the thing I, I always tell people when they ask about seal fit is, you know, anybody can make you tired. And this is a very special event where it's not just, wear you down, break you down. It was, um, yes, wear you down and break you down physically, but then there would be rest and, and there would be a lesson. And, you know, there, there's all sorts of, of value and, and, you know, lessons that eight, 10, 12 years later, you know, stay with all of us and, um, you know, permeate every aspect of life. And, you know, for that reason, it was a really incredible uh, experience. And, uh, I believe, let's see, I think, yeah, so I think we had about an hour left and we didn't know that we had an hour left. We just... So they didn't tell you like... No, we had we had no idea. Like they just said, be here at 6 a.m. and be ready to go. We didn't know <laughs> how long this thing was going to go or, or what was going to happen. Um, it was funny. We were, I think it was like, so we started at 6 a.m. I think it was somewhere around like 9 or 10, somewhere mid-morning. We'd been going for a couple of hours and, and one of the guys in our group was like, man, I've got to go to the bathroom. He's like, you know, raising his hand. He's like, coach, can we take a bathroom break? He's like, yeah, but like, we just thought you guys were going to pee in your pants the whole time. Cause like, that's what we do. And I'm like, oh, so they gave us one formal bathroom break. And then the rest of the day, we just peed in our pants. Um, and, and by the afternoon, like that was a welcome 30 second break from being freezing cold. It was, uh, you know, as I wrote in the book, it was a 70 degree day. It was beautiful. Uh, there were people on the beach laying in the sun. And, um, you know, by the afternoon, we were just teeth chattering, shivering. Um, it, it is literally the coldest I've ever been. I have been in frozen ponds in Finland. I, I love ice exposure, like cold water. Like, I mean, I do all kinds of things to intentionally subject myself to, you know, cold and, and extremes. And, this was the coldest I've ever been. I've never involuntarily 
trembled and shook and, and had my teeth chattering like that. And, you know, your, your body is just convulsing. And, and that's the point of this event is, is to teach you that your mind, your body will quit way before your mind will. And, you know, if you can go to that place in your mind and tell yourself to keep going, keep showing up, keep doing what you're supposed to do, whether it's, you know, one foot in front of the other on the beach or, you know, one uh, cold call after another, if you're in sales, you know, whatever the thing is. And so, you know, we were getting ready to do our last evolution. Uh, and that's what they call these, you know, uh, events and, and lessons. And, um, there were seven of us and, and two guys were just so broken down physically that our coaches said, you know, you guys are going to stop. You're going to sit this one out. Wow. Um, and then for the rest of us, you know, they're saying, okay, you five, you know, come over here. We're going to do this. You got to go grab a big rock and um, you know, the, the other four guys are, are kind of starting off to go grab their rock and I'm just standing there and I've got this, like, I, I imagine I must've had this glazed over look in my eyes and, you know, coach McLeod just looks at me and he's like, are you in? He's like, you can stay and dig a hole with these guys. And I, I didn't even say anything. I just kind of looked at him and I just remember him. He's like, you know, he just took his, his, the heel of his boot and he drew a line in the sand and he's like, are you in or are you out? He's like, you don't have to do it. And it was just the way he said, you don't have to do it. I was like, oh, man, he's putting that choice on me. Because I was waiting on him to be like, "Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> pull you off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, there was a part of me that really wanted him to just be like, it's okay. You can, you can dig a hole and you don't have to do this. But he, he wouldn't do that. And, and he was like, You're, he put that choice on me. And in that moment, I was like, man, I just, I, I can't choose to quit. I, I don't have that in me. And uh and that to me, like, I mean, that's, that's the most powerful thing that maybe I've taken from that is that, you know, realizing that I don't have that quit button uh, and, you know, I'm not going to quit. And I know if I can go through that and not quit, you know, there's so many other things in life that are um, uncomfortable that will be over sooner than, you know, that next evolution was. I mean, it was like an hour of, you know, whatever else we did. And, trust me the whole hour I was like man I wish I hadn't walked across that line but from that day forward it's like oh you know I've got to sit down and write or oh, I've got to sit down and do this call like all the things that we do in our daily life that seem tough we're, we're really fortunate that we have the opportunity to do those things and I think it's it's a great lesson in perspective uh, it's a great lesson in you know just being uh, grateful and appreciative for what we have and the opportunities and and just a reminder that, you know, our minds are so much stronger than our bodies uh, and can go so much longer. Yeah, you know, there's such a beautiful insight that you can really go so much further than you ever thought possible, right? That you can push your body and your mind to these extreme levels where you're just in total pain, right? But even when you get that intentional choice then of I can't quit, you know you're not going to. And I think that is really the key, right? Whether you're, you know, an athlete, whether you're a student, whether you're, you know, working in sales, it doesn't matter what you do in your life, but like the ability to delay immediate gratification and really go off those dreams and never take that quit button, right? Never actually press that is so powerful. And so the beautiful thing is you can actually develop that, right? You can master your mind to the point that you actually get better at this. So walk us through that process. Like what, what do people need to do in order to get to that kind of mindset? Yeah, I think, you know, it's understanding that, you know, had I quit then, um, every other time the rest of my life, it would have been easier to quit, right? If, we're yeah. the, if, if, we, if we let ourselves off the hook, if we take the easy way out once, 
then we're more likely to do it again and again and again or in other instances, right? And um, yeah, I love the old, uh, is it, it, maybe it's Buddhist or Zen, but there's a, a saying that says, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. And, um, you know, just developing that grit, that determination, the mental toughness, whatever you want to call it to, uh, and, and maybe it's, it's not even, uh, I always struggle because I think for each person, it's a slightly different delivery of the same message that that resonates and gets them to, to click with it. So, you know, in, a, in an instance like this, where, you know, I'm trying to give a general approach, it's always tough. But, you know, so so maybe it's a mental toughness thing, maybe it's, uh, you know, a decision on who you are. And, and that's why I always talk about defining your values, and you know, be someone that doesn't quit or someone that won't let let yourself off the hook. And, you know, if, if you can, if that is a value of yours, if that's important to you, uh, to be somebody who can be counted on and trusted by the people that you love and the people that, uh, that are in your life and are important to you, if you want to be able to show up for them at all times, um, most of the time when they need you most, it's when, you know, things are uncomfortable or bad. Right. And so, you know, every time we have these opportunities, and this is why I mentioned, like, I, I love cold exposure. I love things that seem uncomfortable, and, you know, when we can force ourselves into those situations, we're, we're just teaching ourselves that we can show up and we can do these things. Um, and so, you know, looking for all these little examples like, you know, oh, I could return that email tomorrow or, you know, here's an awkward or a difficult conversation that, you know, I could put that off. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to, uh, you know, I don't have to have that conversation with this person. Um, or, you know, from a diet or a, or a training standpoint, you know, I could skip my workout or I could stop two reps early or, you know, I could stop if you're doing intervals and it's, you know, 20 seconds of work. Do you work till the buzzer or do you stop when there's two seconds left uh, or when it says when the buzzer goes off and it says start, do you start immediately or do you like bend down and tie your shoe to buy a little bit extra time? Like, all of those things are just they're little character tests. Um, littering is another one or you know it's really easy to litter sometimes you have to hold on to a piece of trash until you find a trash can or you know do you return your shopping cart at the grocery store all these little things like that that reveals to us who we are and it's how we approach these little things and how we go about those little uh, you know those micro decisions on a daily basis that add up and if we can prove to ourselves that we are a trustworthy person, right? That's so many people come to me and they say, I want to build more confidence. I want to have more confidence. And really confidence is our ability to trust ourselves. Can you trust yourself yes. to show up and do what you said you were going to do? Can you follow through on the promises that you make? And all those little like, examples that I just laid out are ways that we can, you know, build trust in ourselves, build confidence in ourselves, build trust in other people because, you know, we're making promises to them and we're showing up and we're delivering, um, you know, and, and really, I think, you know, every person that I've ever worked with who struggles to have, you know, the confidence in themselves or the trust or, or the mental toughness, you know, it's because of their past, you know, they have a track record of letting themselves off the hook or quitting or not doing what they're supposed to do. And we have to disrupt that pattern. We have to find out why that's pattern, why that pattern is happening. How do we disrupt it? Um, you know, and how do we create a new pattern and start living as the person that we want to be? which is a person who you know, does what they're supposed to do regardless of how they feel. And hence the title of the book. 
Yeah, you know, I absolutely love that. There's, there's so many nuggets of wisdom that you sort of spread in here. Um, so first of all, I think this, this, this act of deliberately living from your standards and your values and who you want to be rather than how you feel in the moment is so powerful because I found that when you do those hard things, right, and I'm the same way, I love, you know, cold showering, I love jumping in ice cold Ryan that's, that's flowing right through my city here. He's like, it's the most beautiful thing, right? You're freezing in there, right? People like taking pictures of you, like this crazy dude. <laughs> but it's amazing. And you come out and you feel you're freezing, but you're alive. And it makes you feel good about yourself. And, and like you say, it builds that confidence because you know that you're acting in a way that's aligned with your vision and who you want to be rather than the smaller version of yourself that's simply, you know, creative because you're feeling not good in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I love this, also this sort of stacking of making the right choices every day, right? Because like mm -hmm. those moments, that the moment that you described, right? And seal fit, that's one of those big moments, right? But the big moments, we can only show up in those big moments when we've created the mental toughness and all of these small choices, like you say, right? Do I throw my trash, right? Do I like tie my shoes a little bit faster so I can go out and, and do that workout like 10 seconds faster, right? Like those little choices build the confidence and the skill then to also show up in the large ones. So absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah, so, so talk to me about emotions because this is something that really trips up most people. Um, and I think, I mean, I felt it myself. I think everybody has had this experience, right? You know what you're supposed to do, you know, you're not supposed to quit, you know, you're supposed to keep studying, keep working out, whatever, but you just don't feel good. And so you let yourself <laughs> off the hook, right? <laughs> yep. And, and this is a tricky thing. And, and I think, you know, uh, I, I've had a lot of people literally judge my book by its cover. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we, we live in this, uh, you know, we live in a world where, especially men are, are getting more in touch with emotions and feelings than ever before. You know, it's okay for for men to tell other men that they love each other, or, you know, it's okay for, you know, men to admit that they have a mental health or depression. And I say men, it, it's really everybody. I mean, the, the whole world is, you know, exploring consciousness and awareness. And, um, you know, my book and, and the title, if you don't read the book, then the title can make you think that I am against, you know, that sort of exploration. And that yeah, could not have feelings. <laughs> right. That, that couldn't be further from the truth. But, yeah. but what I'm talking about is, is understanding their role, their function, and not letting them overstep their boundaries. Um, they are a self-regulating system. And, you know, I always ask people, you know, to, to tell me, give me an example of a self-regulating system that has not overstepped its boundaries, right? If, if we look at self-regulating systems throughout the history of, uh, you know, humans, you know, we, we find businesses and entities and organizations that, you know, uh, become corrupt with, with power, right? And so, you know, that's really what's happening. And, and in a scientific standpoint, we're talking about dysfunction. Um, and so, you know, let's take a step back and we'll define feelings and emotions. Um, so feelings, as neuroscience defines them, are mental experiences of physiological states. And so, you know, if you're not into like science uh, nerd like I am, you know, physiological states simply means your body state. So what's going on from my neck or my ears down is my physiological state. And that's going to impact my mental state. So literally, if we can change our physiological state, we can change our mental experience or our feelings. And I think intuitively, everyone, like when we explain that from a scientific standpoint, people are like, huh, what? 
But intuitively, we all know that uh, we've all seen the meme that says you're only one workout away from a better mood. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and that's, that's exactly what they're talking about. Change your physiology, you'll change your mental state. So, you know, if, if I said, you know, hey, there's 30 seconds on the clock, I'm going to play some, you know, house music with, uh, you know, an upbeat, uh, you know, uh, tempo and, you know, some major chords that make you sound, that, that, you know, are sounds of happiness and you know, positivity. And you do as many burpees as you can or as many squats as you can in 30 seconds, you're going to be in a different physiological state and in a different mental state after those 30 seconds. And so I always do that in workshops and in, in keynotes to, to have people experience what we're talking about. Um, and so once you feel that, then you're like, okay, I get it now. Um, and you know, what, what we're really talking about when we say fuck your feelings is um, there's a cognitive researcher named Antonio Damasio who found out that 95% of our decisions are made based on how we feel in the given moment. So, you know, a lot of times if I'm in an event, I might say, you know, well, Max, why did you choose to wear the shirt that you're wearing right now? And maybe this isn't a good example. Maybe you wear this on every podcast and it's just- Oh, uh, every show, yeah. <laughs> almost, almost. <laughs> but there's probably a reason you chose that shirt, right? Yeah. You know, you feel confident in it. You feel yes. comfortable in it. You maybe like the way that, you know, it fits the, the image that you're portraying for, you know, the business or the brand that you're building. Right? There, there are feelings and emotional connotations wrapped up in that decision-making matrix. And there's a ton of micro decisions that lead up to you finally saying, okay, this is the shirt that I'm going to wear today. Um, and so what we don't realize is that that happens all the time throughout the day. It happens so much. We simply don't have the bandwidth to um, go down that rabbit hole and, and explore in depth every decision that we make all day long. So a lot of these decisions are kind of pre-programmed. Like, you know, we, we have our cup. Like I know I needed a cup of water, so I just, I grabbed the cup that I always drink out of. Um, we, we find little ways to, you know, shortcut that. Uh, most people will take the exact same route to work every single day, even though there are alternative routes, uh, because now you don't have to think about that. You can kind of put that on cruise control or autopilot uh, and think about something else. And, you know, what happens from, uh, from a standpoint of, uh, of letting this get in our way at, at getting back to your question, you know, like you said, I don't feel like studying or, you know, I don't feel like writing today. I don't feel like whatever. And I always use the example of a professional athlete or, or more specifically an Olympic athlete, um, because the Olympics only occur every four years. And so, you know, let's say we've got somebody training for the Olympics. They don't just wake up in 2020 and say, hey, I'm going to compete in the 2024 Olympics, right? They've probably been training since 2010 or 2014 or at some point younger to get to the point where they're even good enough to compete at the Olympic trials or, or whatever. So you're looking at 10 to 20 year career uh, to even become an Olympic athlete in most instances. How many opportunities does that individual have over 10 years to say, I don't feel like getting up at 4 a.m. to go do my workout. I don't feel like doing today's training because it's, you know, I don't want to swim two miles in an open ocean. It's, it's cold. It's raining. Uh, you know, traffic's bad. You know, I, I hate being inside in the gym when it's beautiful outside. Uh, I don't feel like eating the meals I'm supposed to eat. 
nobody has a Hall of Fame career by accident. And whatever our goals are for ourselves and our lives, we're going to have to do things that we don't want to do. We're going to have to do things that we're supposed to do when we don't feel like doing them. And uh, if we spend our days allowing our fleeting and transient feelings to dictate our decisions, it's very difficult for us to go from point A to point Z, you know, 10, 20 years down the road and, and have a successful career as an athlete or a business person. Uh, pick your business person, whether it's Richard Branson or Oprah or The Rock. You know, there's so many decisions from the time they said, hey, I want to do this to where we see them now that they had to make regardless of how they felt. Um, and so uh, I, and I think that answers your question and I hope it does. Yes, totally. And I, and I love what you're saying here and really clarifying that like, fuck your feelings is not about like not having emotions, right? It's not about avoiding emotions. It's about being incredibly self-aware of how you're feeling, but simply not letting that affect how you actually act in the world and how you operate in those moments when you don't feel good, right? It's about deciding that, hey, I may not feel good, right? I may be in total pain like you were, right, at SealFit, but I'm still deciding to keep going. Yeah, and uh, awareness is the key word there. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's the rest of the conversation yes. here. It's awareness creates choice. And that's what we're trying to develop here is bringing in awareness to these instances and say, okay, you know what? I, I am acknowledging and accepting that I don't feel like doing this right now. And, you know, I have in this moment a choice. This, this awareness of this fact is, is presenting me an opportunity. Do I continue to go down the path of doing what I feel like? Or am I going to choose to act according to my goals and values? And, you know, when I, uh, I sell the books on my website and, and when you buy it off my website, I sign the book. So whether it's off the website or at a book signing, I sign every book um, and, and I say, uh, may your actions always align with your values. And, you know, I want you to, I want everybody to be able to, you know, have those moments of awareness and to make sure that we're choosing to act according to our values as opposed to our feelings. Because our feelings will, I mean, they'll fuck us up. They'll lead us astray. There's no <laughs> 100%. doubt about that. Yeah, because yeah. that's the challenge, right? Because most people are still out of touch with their feelings, right? That, they, that when that moment occurs, they'd rather hide from it, right? They'd rather distract themselves with movies, with junk food, with, you know, whatever it is that they need to do to yep. feel good again for a moment right but yep. as, as both of you was know right that's not a very effective strategy to no. actually change the way you feel it's funny you brought that up we we actually uh so a really good friend of mine and i have a, a talk that we do and it's called answering the call uh and and it's about how high performers think and, and in that talk we refer to those examples that you mentioned as anesthetics Yes. Um, you know, whether it's drugs or porn or food, all the addictions that we have, we use those as distractions so that we don't have to face the, those underlying things that, you know, are, are, you know, there are monsters, our demons, whatever that, whatever you want to call them, we all have them. And, you know, as long as we hide from them or run from them, they have power over us. Um, you know, so it's up to us to face them head on. Um, you know, and that's, that's the difficult work that, that faces all of us. Uh, but it's what we have to do in order to step fully into who we are, who we can become and who we ultimately want to become, um, in order to be that version of us. Yes. And I want to, you mentioned before the, the importance of values and living from those, but before we dive into this, I want I want to go a little deeper into what you just said, because this practice of deliberately seeking out and embracing and 
learning to deal with those fears and those anxieties and those frustrations and all of that stuff is so important. So what can people do? You know, if they're in this moment right now, they're like, I have all these emotions, right? And if, you know, if you're listening to this, really reflect a little bit on your life. Like, what does your emotional state look like on a daily basis? And if you have those emotions, right, and you're trying to run from them, you're using those anesthetics, right? Then how can people, you know, learn to deal with them proactively? Yeah, I think the first step is awareness, right? Uh, just like we talked about a minute ago is to bring in awareness to this thing. And, and, and I think many people are totally unaware that they have these patterns. So it starts with, you know, auditing your, your actions and your decisions, taking that objective view. And, um, you know, sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes we need a coach or a mentor or a really good friend uh, to point those out and, you know, call us on our shit and say like, you know, Max, like every time stuff gets hard, you do blank. Yeah. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about this as your emotional home. Um, and the first time I heard him uh, talk about this, like that one really struck a chord with me because um, I, I think you know, we all have an emotional home. We all go to a certain emotional state. Um, we all know that person that's always angry, right? Um, the, the, the littlest thing will trigger them and they get angry about this. They get angry about that. It's never the thing, right? It's not the guy who cut you off in traffic. It's not the fact that your coffee wasn't hot enough or that it was too cold. You went to anger because that's where you always go. That's your emotional home. So step one is, is realizing that, being aware of it. And then step two is uh, digging into why. And, you know, that is often uh, a very long journey and, and pursuit. These things are not, you know, you're not going to meditate on this one day and be like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, not solved. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, this is a, a life, this is, this is our life's work is, is to constantly, um, you know, explore these edges and, and look for our shadows and, um, you know, find these blind spots. You know, this is another thing we talk about in the workshop is that many times, our largest opportunities for growth lie in our blind spots. And, and by definition, if something is in our blind spot, we don't even know that it's there. Um, so again, we, we need to read, we need to learn, we need to have people around us point these things out. Um, and, you know, to, to answer your question, Max, I think it, it's, it's a series of questions. And, you know, it depends on what the thing is. You know, if we're talking about our, our emotional uh, state or our emotional home, you know, what has happened in our past that you know usually something in the past occurred and in that moment going to that emotional home or or in that instance that first time it was just an emotional place it served us but we got comfortable going there and we started operating out of that and now it's no longer serving us so remember all the way back to the beginning of the conversation we're talking about function and dysfunction and so if we're always going to this emotional home is that a dysfunctional emotional uh, EQ or intelligence or, you know, however you want to phrase that. Um, and in most instances, you know, the answer is yes. And so um, it's, if, if that's the, the thing that we're going to talk about, then the questions are, you know, what happened? Why did that serve me? Uh, does that continue to serve me? Um, and I think that's a really good general question is, does this serve me? Uh, does this serve me well? Where did this pattern develop? Um, and it's, you know, it's again, it's understanding that at a certain time, everything that is a habit probably served us well, either once or a few times early on. 
but maybe it doesn't continue to. So, you know, does this continue to serve me? Um, if it doesn't, how can I modify this or adapt it to serve me? I think we're all guilty of uh, what, what, I can, what I call binary thinking, good or bad. Um, and you probably get questions like this all the time, but, you know, whether it's fitness, you know, is this exercise bad? <laughs> uh, isn't healthy? You know, those are very binary questions, yeah. right? It's yes or no, black or white, good or bad. And, you know, uh, the advice I give everybody is just be less binary. Um, you know, if we're talking about squats, then, you know, it's a great exercise. Is it great for you? Does it fit your goals and your context right now? I don't know. Uh, same thing with certain foods. You know, there's certain people that maybe shouldn't be eating, I don't know, sweet potatoes. Um, but does that mean that it's across the board blanket statement of bad food? No. Um, so I think when it comes to ourselves and our, our growth, our mindset, our, our, our exploration of our psychology and physiology to, you know, not be judgmental, um, to, to ask that developmental or, or integrative type question. How does this serve me? Um, can this serve me? Can this be useful? How can this be useful? Um, instead of, can this be useful? Yeah, I think those questions are really, really powerful. And you, you, you sort of alluded to something before, which is really this idea that oftentimes the habits in our lives like the negative habits, right? All the stuff we want to get rid of isn't necessarily like, or at least wasn't necessarily bad because it served a certain purpose at some point, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, for example, when I was in a high school a couple of years back, like I would just eat tons and tons of sugar, gummy bears, chocolate, all that stuff, because it was my way of coping with, you know, stress and anxiety and all that stuff, mm -hmm. right? And so, so it evolved as the thing that really allowed me to, you know, get in a better emotional state. The problem was at some point it stopped serving me, right? Because I realized <laughs> this is only worse. But I think this is one of the, the keys to, to really change those things because people always want to just get rid of the habit without analyzing like what's the actual cause, right? Because the habit yeah. is oftentimes just a symptom of what you're experiencing, but the cause is actually the underlying emotional need that you're trying to satisfy, which is I want to feel better. I want to be less stressed. I want to be a little bit happier, more joyful whatever it is. And so I think, like you say, like letting go of this binary thinking of just yes, no, and really diving deeper into like, why am I doing this? Right. And does this really serve me? It's so important. Yeah, you're a hundred percent right. And, you know, I think it, just one thing to, to piggyback on that is, you know, in those instances, most of the time our habits are our brain's best guess or best answer to how we make ourselves feel better in that moment right? It's our, it's our brain's best solution. And, and so your example of you in high school, you know, you didn't have the emotional intelligence that you have now. You didn't understand that there were better options for you. Now that you have that education and that knowledge, you understand that there are things that serve you better, both short-term and long-term. And you've said, okay, well, when I feel that craving or that desire to eat these foods, I can understand why I know what the underlying need is. Now, how can I meet those needs in a way that serves me better? And you're, you're understanding the trigger and you're replacing the action that you want to change with a better action. And, and that's, I think, a part of transformation that isn't well taught um, or, or discussed often in, in any pursuit. I mean, this is whether it's nutrition or fitness. I mean, those are underlying, um, you know, principles in, uh, you know, why most people want to lose weight or eat better or, you know, the, the personal development work that, that we love. So, 
Yeah, yeah uh, that's for sure. really good points there. No, I absolutely love that. Now, let's go back for a moment to values. You know, you talked a lot about, you know, living from your values rather than the emotions that you're currently feeling. So for people, I mean, I guess it starts with awareness again, right? <laughs> what are your values, right? What do you actually, you know, how do you want to live? How do you want to show up on your daily basis? So do you have any advice for people and really how to get clear on that? And then, you know, once they have a list of values, maybe some things that they want to live for, live with, um, how they can actually bring that into daily life? Yeah, so um, so here's what I'll do. I've, I've actually got this, uh, I have a video series on this on my website. It's totally free. And what we'll do is I can send you the link to it. You can put it in the show notes. Absolutely um, love I'll, that. I'll walk people through it right now, but, but if people want to go through it more, um, and, and we do this, uh, I, I, I think I mentioned it in the book. Uh, I know we do this at all the workshops that, that I do, uh, all the better human workshops. And so, um, the webpage is ryanmuncie.com slash define dash your dash values. Um, and, and I, like I said, I'll send you the link, Max, and you can share Great. it. But you know, what we do is it's basically getting people to write down their values. And so, you know, I get to work with individuals and a lot of organizations or companies. And, and I find that what we're about to do is the most powerful and profound in people who are maybe 30 and older and in a professional setting. Um, you know, if you're a part of an organization or a team or a business that is focused on core values and mission statements and development and branding and culture, um, even teams, um, so, so athletes, you know, this, this is really powerful. But, but most of these individuals can tell you the core values of their company, but they've never defined their core values as an individual. Yeah. And when we do this, people are just like, Wow. Holy wow. shit. Like, I can't believe I've never thought about that. And so, you know, that's why I say in those instances, it's a little bit more powerful. It doesn't mean that if, if you're not there, it doesn't work. But um, so, so really it's, and, I, and a lot of my cues are very much like the questions you asked, you know, who are you? What do you stand for? What do you stand against? And, and I know that's sort of a counterintuitive question, but a lot of times it's easy for us to identify the things that we don't like uh, and then go to the opposite side of that. So you and I mo might both agree that we hate when individuals are rude to yes. <laughs> another individual that they can be rude to, like a barista or a waiter. Yes, 100%. Right? And so then what we really value is kindness. Yeah. Right? So, so if you get stuck on what are your values, what do you stand for, think about what do you stand against, what drives you crazy, and then what's on the opposite end of the spectrum from that? Um, thinking about your legacy. How do you want to be remembered? When other people talk about you, what words do you want them to use when they describe you or talk about you? Um, and those are just some of the cues that, that I give when I'm asking people to write down um, as many words as you can come up with, as many values as you can come up with for yourself, kindness, love, compassion, uh, leader, uh, whatever they are. And so usually I'll have people write down anywhere from five to 10. And then I will say, you know, pick the three that resonate with you or that jump off the page and, and scream at you the most. Um, and then uh, I'm sitting, I'm looking for my phone and I realize I'm, I'm talking to you on it. So I can't hold up my phone and show you. But what we do at the workshops to cement this for folks is because um, the, the second part of your question is how do we bring this into our daily life? Um, 
I have an alert on my phone that goes off at the same time every single day. And Love it says, that. am I being that person? And then right <laughs> after the question mark, it has those three words in all capital letters. And so, you know, I tell people, you know, do this. You don't have to do it, but if you get that daily reminder, um, it, it's just, it, it's, it's just subconsciously wiring it in there. Every single day you're being asked and, and you're, you're, you're not even being told, hey, be that person. It's just you asking yourself. It's kind of like uh, Coach McLeod at SealFit asking me. He's like, what do you want to do? <laughs> you know, that was totally my choice. He gave me the choice. And so you're giving yourself that choice every single day. Do I want to show up as this version of me? Um, and I think that's a really powerful way to just remind yourself every single day, you know, like, Hey, this is who you said you want to show up as. Are you actually doing it? You know, Ryan, I'm so glad that you mentioned this point about the, the smartphone reminder, because that's literally what I used to really shift the way I was feeling on a daily basis. So I had for, for a very long time, actually every hour, right between 5 AM and 10 PM, I would have an alarm that go off present, excited, powerful. So that was the emotional state that I wanted to create, right? And then, because once you have the awareness, like you say, right? Once you know, this is how I'm supposed to feel like up here. And you realize like, oh shoot, I'm like somewhere down here. Now you have a choice to do things that get you up there. But I think like you say, this awareness of how am I feeling and where do I want to go and how do I want to show up is so important. So I've got a question for you, Max. When yeah. you, uh, let's say it's 11 o'clock and you know, that alert goes off and you are down here. Sometimes we can say, Oh, I realize I'm here. I can just bring it up to here and it's pretty easy. But on those days where you're struggling on those times where it's really difficult, what are some of your go-tos to get from here to here? Yeah. So the, the biggest thing that I've realized is oftentimes it's easier to change the mind through the body. And this is something you, you touched upon before, right? It's like things like exercise, things like cold showers, things like simply jumping up and down, pulling a smile on the face. The, the interesting thing is like, you don't even need to change the way that you think. You change the way that you show up physically, right? You, you put your chest out a little bit and all of a sudden like you feel better, right? Exercise is something that like, you can't finish a run and like not feel good afterwards. Like it's, I think it's literally impossible. Unless of course you hate running, but <laughs> for me, it's awesome. like the greatest thing. Um, but those are really my go-tos. And then, then the, the last one I would say is really focusing again on that vision, right? Cause it's so easy to get distracted by, oh my gosh, all these emails and all this, you know, stuff to do that I want to do. But when you have that vision and you, you get this physical excitement again, that is powerful. That's awesome. I love yeah. it. Do you have anything to add to that? I know you're also big into ice cold showers and all that yeah. stuff. So I think everything you mentioned is great. Um, I think the two that I would recommend um, that may be easier for a majority of people, and, and I only say easier because sometimes uh, maybe you're in your car yeah. Uh, driving or maybe you're on an airplane or you're at work and you can't necessarily access a cold shower or a run uh, breath work because we're always breathing so you can do breath work anywhere um, focusing on a longer exhale than an inhale breathing through your nose um, you know the longer exhale the exhale is the parasympathetic portion of the breathing um, so if we uh, if we make that longer, then we make it a parasympathetic activity, which uh, increases bandwidth or uh, heart rate variability, uh, which is kind of, you know, our ability to deal with stuff. So we can kind of down regulate by focusing on the exhale. Um, 
And, you know, I, I think music is a very powerful thing yes. to shift our minds and, and our states as well. So, you know, a lot of times if you're, you know, on a commuter train or if you're on the subway or on a plane or whatever, uh, you know, you can kind of go to your music and, and let that help you as well. So everything you said, and then maybe add those as well to, to your toolbox of, of things that you can go to. Yeah, music I found is really surprisingly super effective. So, you mm -hmm. know, in my younger, you know, teens, I was, I was playing football. So, so, you know, European football, meaning soccer a lot. And what we do before every single game, our coach had Conquest of Paradise playing, right? <laughs> There's this epic hymn, right? That just, it just makes you so energetic and alive, right? And we'd, we'd right. run out there, like, ready to just crush the opponent. But that is really the power of music, right? It can uplift you and elevate you in such an interesting way without you even having to do anything. Right. Well, just imagine walking into a nightclub at one o'clock in the morning and, you know, instead of hearing like house music with lasers going around and tons of bass, you know, in that tempo, I'm not going to try to make the noise because I'll yeah. be terrible at it. But you, everybody knows what I'm saying. Imagine if you walked in there and it was like a string quartet playing, you know, <laughs> Beethoven from, you yeah. know, three centuries ago at a, you know, an incredibly slow pace and, you wouldn't have the environment. And so like, you know, or, or walk into a casino and, and listen to the music, like people who get paid, you know, big bucks uh, when the environment is right, understand how to create the environment through music. And so that's just something, you know, as you go through the, the next couple of months, pay attention when you're in certain places and, and listen to, you know, the music that is being played uh, because it's rarely an accident. Most people understand the importance and the power of that. Yeah, for sure. Now, Ryan, I want to dive a little bit deeper into your own story because what I found is that every single guest on this show that really became world-class at something, at some point struggled with it. At some point, you know, had a failure. At some point, you know, was really not that good. And, and they had sort of the drive that came from, you know, not being good enough yet that they wanted to master that. So in your own life, did you ever, you know, have a time in your life where you just weren't mentally like super strong like you are now? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's funny you say that because I, I tell people this all the time that, uh, you know, I think the way it was phrased to me initially is that, you know, uh, every strength comes from what was once a deficit. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you see somebody who is uh, a great copywriter uh, you know, maybe at one time they didn't understand, um, you know, sociology, psychology, writing, whatever. Uh, you know, if you see somebody who is, you know, a great coach, maybe at one time they struggled with connecting with people and communicating. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, gosh, I, I, probably all of it. I mean, you know, there was a time where I was not an effective communicator. There was a time where, you know, I hated writing. I, uh, I majored in science wow. stuff. Uh, I, I always had an aptitude for math and science. And, you know, when I got to college, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to major in a science so I don't have to write. <laughs> you know, now I write for a living. Yeah. Um, and they also tricked me. That don't major in a science because not only do you have to write lab reports, but you have to go to the labs that are like four hours a week. So you end up going to more class. And <laughs> so I should have just a bad choice. <laughs> you know, I did um, the same thing. I started studying psychology thinking I'd never have to take math classes again. And <laughs> it was all damn stats. So. Oh uh, yeah. They always get you. 
Yeah, um, life advice but, right here. <laughs> yeah, and so I think you know I, I think like like a lot of people, um, you know, I've I've struggled with um, you know being able to focus um, you know on a day to day basis, but also kind of focus you know my passions and uh, you know it took me I was probably twenty six when I kind of quote unquote got it. And so now, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, I sat down and I had coffee with some guys who were 20 and you know, they've yeah. already written a book together and they're doing a couple of different things. And they're like, what should we do? And what did, and I was like, dude, you guys are like, you're where I was when I was 30. Like, it's yeah. so cool to see that. Like, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, there, there were a lot of things like, like time management, you know, I was not very good at that. Um, all the things that, that you might see me, uh, have as a strength are things that I've either developed or kind of cultivated, curated, learned over time, um, you know, struggling with uh, the highs and lows, like kind of uh, depression and, you know, like always wanting to be here, but realizing that's not realistic and like accepting, you know, the days that I'm here. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think all of it. Um, and I think the on the value side of it, too, I mean, there were there were a few opportunities presented to me when I was younger where, you know, I, I kind of had uh, an opportunity to have some really quick success, but I would have had to do things that I wasn't, that I would not have been proud of. And that would have been outside of, you know, who I am. Uh, and very thankfully I was able to say no um, and pass on those things because I wanted, the only way I could articulate it at that time, was that I wanted to be able to, you know, sleep when I put my head on my pillow at night, knowing that I did it the right way. And, and what I realize now is that it was just, you know, those things weren't aligned with my values, and I knew that that wasn't the right choice for me. Um, and, and so I think just understanding that it's a journey and a process, and you know, don't expect to be great at, at the things that uh, that you want to start off with now, and you know, just. Um, fall in love with the process and, and be consistent and, and keep developing those. Yeah. You know, there's this common thread that I'm really trying to pull through this entire show through every single interview, which is that none of my guests were born great. None of my guests were born these amazing human beings, right? That are simply like just conquering the world, but all of them develop yeah. themselves. You know, I had uh, Dr. Anders Ericsson on the show. Whom I, I'm sure you you've heard about and know, right? And his work on really how do you become the best in the world and what he's found is like it just takes an inhuman amount of work and the people that come on the show people like you they have done that work right they, because yeah. they have that self-awareness they really ask themselves those difficult questions of how am i not measuring up yet who don't want to be how how can i get closer to that and then they yeah. deliberately work on that and so that's yeah, why i love just, that story yeah it's it's identifying the gaps and then stopping at nothing to to show up and close those gaps and and to me, that was always the fascination. Um, and, and I guess to, to help you tie that thread between all the shows, um, I didn't realize that's exactly what you were looking for. So I was, uh, I grew up playing sports. I played soccer uh, and basketball uh, up until I got to college. I wasn't good enough to play in college. But you know, when I graduated high school, despite the fact that I played sports all the time, I was skinny fat. I was, you know, I'm the only male in my family who, isn't diabetic. Um, had I not played sports all the time, I probably would be or would have been diabetic. So, you know, I was 
I was slow. I was a bad athlete. I'm probably a better athlete at 35 than I was at 18. Um, I know I was a better athlete at 30 than I was at 18. Um, you know, so, so I was, I was slow. I was, you know, skinny fat. I wasn't healthy and, you know, I was lazy and entitled and, you know, now it's like, I'd like to be able to say totally the opposite. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to your point and, and to the point of many of your previous guests, it's, you know, seeing where you want to be, identifying those gaps, being consistent in taking the actions that are required to close those gaps. And, and that's, that's a lot of hard work. And, you know, that's, to me, that's, I was always obsessed with, you know, what is it that high performers or successful people do or have? And, and you know, that's really that seeking the answer to that question is what, what led to writing the book, fuck your feelings. And so, you know, that's, that's my answer to what we have to do in the day to day to close those gaps. Yes, absolutely love that. Now, as I, as I said in the beginning of the show, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the better human podcast. So what are the biggest lessons that you've learned, you know, over now? Wow. I think two, what's been two years now of, of yeah, the show? So- so BHP launched in the beginning of 2018. Yeah. yeah so and so prior to that, years. it was the, yeah. yeah, well, prior to that, I did the optimal performance mm-hmm. podcast for two and a half, almost three years. Um, I, I've, I'd say in close to 500 podcasts, uh, I've, oh, yeah. I've gotten to speak with some amazing people. And I think um, you and I were talking about it before, before we hit record. I mean, one of the, coolest things about podcasting in general is just being able to connect with people and and grow your, your personal and your professional network. Um, and and I think that's, that kind of ties into one of the other lessons is that, you know, there's something that we can learn from everybody and, you know, everybody has a story. Um, everybody has their own unique experiences that, uh, you know, can, can provide insight or help or comfort or guidance for, for all of us. Uh, if we're willing to ask the right questions and listen, and, and you know, maybe that's the next thing is learning how to ask better questions and learning how to be a better listener and a better communicator. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd go with something along those lines as opposed to trying to just, you know, maybe find one or two nuggets from yeah. from a guest because, I mean, I I could probably pull two or three pieces of gold from every single episode. Yeah, the, the fascinating thing to me is that like. Oftentimes people will deliver the, the same message in a different wording, right? And so it doesn't hit, necessarily hit you with this person, but then the other person says it in a slightly different way and all of a sudden it hits you, right? Or because you've had that experience before being exposed to idea and now you suddenly start to really internalize it. I think that's really powerful, right? Just getting this message or you know, these messages constantly every single day, these lessons, these insights over and over again until they get really ingrained in your brain. Got to wire that stuff in there. Totally, totally. Now, Ryan, I'm a huge fan of this Latin phrase, memento mori, remember your death, right? And so I always you know, have this tombstone moment in a show, like the day that you're going to die. We talked about values a lot, about purpose. What do you want written on your tombstone? You know, um, I've got a really good friend that, that posts that Latin phrase uh, a lot. His name is uh, Scott McGee, and he's got a podcast called The Sisu Way. And um, 
you know, I started thinking about that exact question a lot when I started my gym back in 2012. I read uh, Darren Hardy's book, The Compound Effect. Love it, yeah. And, and, and he poses a question, you know, like, you know, who would come to your funeral and what would they say? And, and if, if it rained on that day, who would go from the ceremony to the gravesite? And that was the one that really got me. Who's, <laughs> who's not just there who's, for the food, but <laughs> yeah, who's going to come and stand in the rain and watch that casket get lowered into the ground? And I, like, I know that's kind of like gloomy and, you know, but that's, that's something I think about a lot. And, you know, at that time I, I had uh, recently left modeling and, you know, for a time, my main focus had been on kind of my external appearance and, and my numbers in the gym. And I just remember thinking like, damn, when, when my body is rotting in the ground, it's not going to matter how much I squatted yeah. or what my body fat percentage was. Um, and, and if that's the best that I can give somebody to write on my tombstone, then I have failed miserably. Um, and so really, you know, like I said, that was 2012. And, and that, that was a really powerful shift for me, uh, you know, as I started my business to, to stop thinking about those things and to start thinking about legacy and how I could show up for people and how I could help people. And I, I guess, I mean, I think maybe the highest praise that, you know, uh, that somebody could say about me um, when I'm gone is, is that, you know, I made other people's lives better. Um, I can't think of a, a better purpose, uh, while I'm here. So, you know, I think everything I do, whether it's nutrition or mindset or writing or podcasting is, um, you know, along those lines of, of trying to help other people live more fully, um, you know, as the person that they want to live. Um, and so, yeah, I, it would have to be something along those lines. Yeah, I love that. Now, what other thing we always do on the show is we love to celebrate failure as a stepping stone to building more character, more grit. So do you have throughout your life a favorite failure? A favorite one. Um, favorite one, yeah. <laughs> but it'd be a good one. <laughs> that's a good question. Um, you know, I don't know that I necessarily have a favorite failure, but I just, I love it when people tell me I can't do something. Uh, I love it when I have an idea and people are like, oh, you, there's no way you can do that or you shouldn't do that. Um, you know, with, with the book, Fuck Your Feelings, um, maybe you could call it a failure that, you know, a uh, book agent basically told me like, hey, we can get you a book deal, but it's going to be like $20,000 and what you really need to do is go on a PR tour for the next two years and build a huge following and then come back and we can get a book deal. Um, and I just said, well, the hell with that. If I'm going to go on a two year PR tour, I'm going to write the book and at least have a reason to go on a PR tour and talk yeah. about the book. Um, so, I mean, if I don't really consider it a failure, but I think maybe some people, uh, that might be like an obstacle that, that shuts down their pursuit of a dream, right? If, if you think you want to publish a book and, you know, an agent or a publisher says like, you know, no, and it's not going to happen. Then I was like, well, all right, I'm just going to self publish it. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's failure. Maybe it's not. Um, but I think just looking for, you know, places, ways that I've been slighted or doubted or, or whatever, and kind of using that as motivation, 
Um, but also looking into it, like, why did they slight me? Why did they doubt me? What did I not show them that they needed to see? Um, are, are they right in saying that, you know? Uh, and, and if I'm going to prove them wrong, then if that gap actually existed, it's going to require me to close that gap. So it's not just, you know, the basic chip on your shoulder, prove somebody wrong, but, um, you know, looking at it as a way to actually get better. You know, I love this question of how are my haters right? So like in what yeah. way are they saying things that, you know, they feel uncomfortable and I may hate it, but are they right? Because what I've realized oftentimes is like when people doubt you, there's, there's some kind of reason behind it, right? There's certain, you know, underlying mechanisms, underlying belief structures, underlying maybe even skill sets that are missing that mm -hmm. you haven't yet developed, right? doesn't mean you can't ever develop them, but it means right now you're not yet the person that you need to be in order to be able to execute on those goals. Yep, well said. Yeah, I love that. Now, if you could give our listeners one piece of homework to take away from this episode today, what would be the one thing they should start doing to become better human beings? Ooh, I like that. Uh, let's go with the values exercise. You know, yeah. if you haven't defined your values as an individual, I, I would encourage you to do that today, tonight. Like find out, uh, write it down. You know, who are you? What do you stand for? How do you want to be remembered? Um, and, and then start acting accordingly. Because once you write those things down, then the next question I would ask you is, what is stopping you from acting that way right now? And I always get one of two answers. People either say nothing or <laughs> me, right? <laughs> either way, you're in control of whether or not you act that way or, or move through the world that way from now on. Um, and, you know, you don't need a coach or a guru or, you know, a book or a seminar to do that. Um, so that, that's where I would start. Yeah, I love that. It's an internal work, right, of really turning inside, taking a responsibility and self-awareness for how you want to live. Now, before I ask my final question, where can listeners connect with you online? Yeah, so my website is sort of the hub for everything, ryanmuncie.com. Um, Instagram is probably my social media platform of choice, uh, and that one is at ryanmuncie with an underscore at the end. Uh, podcast, as you mentioned, is the Better Human Project, and that's available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Perfect. Now, my final question is, what is your quest for greatness? What, so what's a big vision that you want to bring into this world? Oh, man. Um, you know, when, when I had the gym, our tagline was stronger, healthier, happier. And, you know, I wanted every person that I encountered to live a stronger, healthier, happier life for, you know, having cross paths with me. Um, and, and I still think that's pretty close to, uh, you know, what my main purpose is. Um, you know, I don't have a, a brick and mortar facility anymore. You know, now it's, it's through writing and podcasting and speaking. Um, but that's, I just think that, um, I think we would all, I think we can all live and maybe that, maybe it's, it's evolving more now into, you know, um, love, kindness, um, doing better for others. Um, but I think if, if we can all kind of step into that and, and do the work um, to be better ourselves, um, then we can show up and do better for others. Uh, and so that's where kind of the evolution of that tagline for the new 
Better Human Project, Be Better, Do Better has kind of come in. And, um, and I think if we can do that, then we can make the world a stronger, healthier, happier place. Because um, I think we, we both know, and, and I'm sure most of your listeners know that, you know, the world is, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of darkness, a lot of uh, fear, and, and a lot of unhealthiness uh, out there. And I think, you know, it's, it's up to us to, um, you know, it starts with, with ourselves and, and then, you know, how we show up and, and deliver, you know, to the rest of the world to, uh, to make it a better place.